Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, this is The Neighborhood Watch. I am Josh Neighbors, your host. Uh, I wanted to give you all something to chew on as we head into the long weekend. So I thought I'd call up our guy, John Kurtz, from the KC Sports Network to talk about uh, just the general college sports space because it feels like a pretty pretty messy week for a lot of different conferences, for a lot of different individual schools. And so, John, number one, thank you for uh, talking with me once again but making your debut appearance here, uh, the 365 Sports Network, um, at least in this show, The Neighborhood Watch. And I'll give you kind of the pick here, the guest pick. What was the most interesting piece of news, whether it be ACC, Big Ten, Act 12, whatever it is, what was the most interesting piece of news for you out of this week? Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Um, I think to me, like the, what's going on with the ACC right now has been at least the most novel uh, because the the Big 12, Pac-12 stuff, like we've just gone over and over with this again and again. And I mean, you now there were interesting things this week. I thought Barry Trammell's um, drop of, hey, basically joining the chorus of people saying, watch Colorado. I think his phrasing, to paraphrase here, but it was more along the lines of like a Big 12 source told him that Colorado was ready to commit soon. Um, you know, I mean, that is interesting because Trammell has been a guy who's not really been involved in this at all. And yeah, that was weird. Elder statesman, like been around for a long time, definitely well-respected um, in Big 12 circles, like not somebody that I would think would be peddling a narrative for anybody. But like we've we've seen the Colorado stuff over and over again. So I don't know, man, everything going on in the ACC, the – the, the predicament that they're in, I was I was laughing at the uh, the story that Brett McMurphy ran this week where he was comparing it to it was some meatloaf song. And, I, you know, my apologies to the meatloaf fans out there, but I don't really know much other than I would do anything for love. So I don't remember what the specific song title was, but it was basically like I, I committed to you until the end of time. Now I can't wait for the end of time to get here. <laughs> and I mean, that is such a yes. relation of like what the ACC is right now, um, because we've heard about the seven schools. They have not only been meeting by themselves, but now it's like out there in the open. They went through this week last week of meetings um, where now everybody is talking about what's going on. They're being pretty upfront with one another, it seems like, but with all that happening and as much time as they've, 
invested in all this. I mean, it seems like that grant of rights is pretty ironclad. I think we would have heard something if not, like somebody would have tried to do something or make a move. And I think there's, I've seen questions raised now too. Andrew Marshot actually, um, who I was talking to on, on my channel this week, basically said like, he's not even sure that those schools would be additive to the sec or the big 10 if they were to leave. So I, they really do seem stuck. Um, it's very intriguing to me that they've moved unequal revenue sharing forward as quickly as they have. Um, and now it's like, I just want to watch someone was joking with me today in my, my DMS about like, Hey, it's great that the ACC did that, but now let's, let's all go watch Wake Forest pad their bank accounts. while Florida state continues to flounder around. So, you know, I mean, I am, I am very interested to watch how that goes. And if, you know, now we're seeing the Pac-12 reverberations of that. I saw John Wilner wrote a piece. I haven't mm -hmm. had a chance to read it yet, but I saw that he wrote a piece that uh, was basically advocating for the Pac-12 to do the same thing. Um, you know, it's a it's a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. I think that's another analogy that I've seen here recently that I'm stealing. It is kind of a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound, but it's at least a start uh, for the ACC, and it happened pretty quick. So we'll, we'll see if that gets to the Pac-12 now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you too on the, uh, you know, how quick it happened. Um... Very strange to me that it happened. You know, we're talking about it with the speed, but I think this is the kind of the conversation with Oregon and and Washington as well. Is like for those schools that want to compete for national championships, how much of a gap can you? And by the way, my tongue is blue. I'm I'm, I'm inhaling cough drops right now. For the folks, I'm I am inhaling cough drops trying to get rid of this thing. So blue tongue, please excuse that, everybody. But um, it, Oregon and Washington, like I think the big part of this conversation is how much of a gap can you stomach right to the other schools. That's why we've mentioned, hey, even if you join the Big Ten at a reduced price, like at least you're within striking distance. And then when the next TV contract rolls around, you're back on level footing. I think that's kind of why we talked about this. The reason why the ACC, I mean, you're talking about Florida State, who I think now a lot of the fans kind of fancy themselves back right in the mix again. We'll see. Res results have to be there. Um, but Clemson, you know, they've won championships and they want to continue to win championships. and They continue to recruit at a high level. But the one thing for the, the one leg – that I've heard they've had up on a lot of folks. I hear everybody goes to Clemson is the facilities are awesome. And the one thing that you need to keep, to keep those facilities ahead. I mean, we know how, how fast stuff changes. You need money to keep that machine going. And there's, I mean, this is anything in college campuses. Like if you go to any college campus, I'm sure John, you know, your time in school too, everything's always under construction. There's a reason for that. Like you're always trying to, whether it's the medical school, whether it is law school, whatever it is, people are always trying to construct bigger, better to attract more students because those students, you know, go on to do great things and they, you know, give money back to school. It's, it, it feeds itself. And so when it comes to the athletic side, like I understand this, but um, th there is such a peril when you do the unequal revenue sharing, because based off of merit, it is a, it's really, um, especially on football, like you mentioned it, Wake Forest, man. I mean, Wake Forest played pit a couple of, I was there. I was there in Charlotte. My dad went to Wake Forest. Uh, and I'm, it's, it's cool to see that happen, but like, do you want to live in a world where they're, where they're going to get that revenue and, and, and whatnot? And I, I think it is a, it's, it's a risk, but 
we've mentioned with the ironclad nature of that and everybody I've talked to has said the same thing. I think only the only folks who have said it otherwise, like the school's lawyers, right? Think, uh, we, we might be able to break it. I, I, nobody else seems to think that. that. That to me is why it's so interesting is that they're, they're stuck. And I guess this is the one solution because I'm not really sure what else they can pull out of their hats. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it, it just seems like dead ends, uh, which is right. we're in this age of like, everybody is making big moves. Everybody is being really aggressive with it. Um, we've just come to expect it now. Each of the last two summers, we've had this massive bomb dropped on the world of, of college athletics, but it really doesn't seem like there's anywhere to go. I think as far as Clemson specific case, you're right. Like the, the part where they will start to lose over time is facilities is one. Another thing I always think of with schools in general, I don't think this applies as much to Clemson, but schools in general is holding on to coaches. Like I think that's mm, the tough yeah. part because like, for instance, um, Missouri, I know they're paying Dennis Gates over $4 million now to coach basketball. And like Dennis Gates is a good coach. I think he had a really good year. Um, but like, I don't, we'll see what Jerome Tang's extension is going to be at K-State, but yeah. I, I don't know that Jerome Tang is going to make more than Dennis Gates. And I'll tell you this right now, nothing against Dennis Gates. Good coach. Jerome Tang is a much better coach than Dennis Gates, but that's, they, they've got SEC money and they can just throw it out there. And so that, you know, as a K-State guy, like that's my sort of concern here looking at the landscape, like, all right, this may get tricky. And if you have that extra, even if you're a Missouri and you're just farting around in the middle to bottom of the SEC every single year, you've got that extra cash and you can throw money out there. Purdue, I was reminded today that, um, you know, some of the Purdue blog sphere uh, thought that they could pluck Chris Kleiman this offseason. And the justification was basically, we'll just throw a bunch of money at it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not a better job, not a better situation, but there is a lot more money. Um, and so that's not going to work on everybody, but it is going to work on some people and it's going to make life more difficult over time to be holding on to coaches. That's why I say Clemson situation probably does skew more to facilities because they've got Dabo. Dabo's pretty young still. Um, you know, I guess if, if Saban, the, the concern there would be if Saban retires and if he's going to go take the Bama job, right? but right. other than that, they're probably in a better spot than a lot of places would be with, with the money-making sport with what they really care about in football and keeping their coach. But that's the thing. I think you'll just have these schools. The assistants. Like, and the amount of support staff they yeah, hired too. You're, you're right. You're right. Assistance is a great point. Assistance the army of polos they always talk about on the sidelines yeah. for Georgia. Like there's a reason why they can afford that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, look at, I remember seeing it. One of the first things I, times I remember noticing it was actually Chris Beard at Texas Tech when he came into Bramlage early in his career. And I was like, there are like 60 guys, uh, like yeah. three rows of people on the tech bench right now. And that's kind of what, like, I'm seeing it now with Jerome Tang and K-State. They have a really big staff, and that's what you need to compete and all these analysts and everything else that you can throw at it. That's where you'll really be hurt in the margins. And, and the other thing about the ACC is just because of the geography, they're so damn close to these SEC schools and, like, intrastate rivals that, I mean, I can't imagine that. Like, Clemson, I can't imagine being a Clemson fan and trying to stomach the fact that South Carolina – is going to be making $30 million more per year than us. Like that is, I right. get it. I get why it's this visceral reaction, but it's kind of the unstoppable force and the immovable object right now. The, the unstoppable force of like rage and we can't let our rivals get ahead of us, but the immovable object, unfortunately, seems to be this grant of rights. And Dennis Dodd did a really good, I think it was Dodd, right? Who had the story about how the Big 12 kind of set the precedent for what this grant of rights is right. and interviewing people about how ironclad it is. Um, so, hey, I guess to anybody out there that has, has knocked the Big 12 for not being forward thinking, that was like old school Big 12. And they uh, they laid the groundwork for a pretty impactful uh, uh, piece of legislation, or so to speak, right now in the college football world. 
Yeah, the assistant point, you know, it, it's such a good point. I, I always think about those those Big Ten schools. It's like, you know, we could be having this conversation about all these jobs that let's just say Jamie Chadwell has another good two years at Liberty. And it's like X job, Y job, all these big jobs could be open, you know, and, and they could be in the, like, you know, just say Oklahoma State, let's just say Mike Gundy gets canned, right? And they want another guy with a mullet. And they were like, okay, we want Jamie Chadwell. It's like, well, you know what? Uh, Indiana has fired Tom Allen and they're going to pay him, you know, like $8 million a year to go coach yeah. Indiana football. They could, they could in theory do that because of how much money they're about to make. It's such an interesting piece of this. I want to move on to the, uh, the PAC 12 situation and kind of the, the Barry Trammell piece of this that you mentioned with Colorado and whatnot. I, I found that interesting too. Um, you know, I think all of us in the big 12 like media space, like Barry is, I mean, you know, I worked with Oklahoma guys, Gabe Biker, Chris Plank, like a lot of reverence for Barry. He's been around for a long time. It was weird to see him get in. And I, I feel like that, yeah, he's not in the business of carrying anybody's water. At least I don't think he's yeah. known for doing that. So I thought it was interesting he got in, but it would make sense. I think the last time you and I talked, we had mentioned some of this too. When the one thing for Pac-12 schools that I've heard is all the presidents, they, they want to stay together and whatnot, but also they kind of want justification for leaving. Like they want to give every single chance and they want to be like, you know what? We left because we gave every chance to George Glyavkov. Like where, I mean, where does that line drawn? Cause I feel like we could have drawn that before, but to me, you know, are you, a, do you have a pet, John? Do you have a dog cat? Uh, I've always grown up with dogs. I don't currently have one, but okay. Well, when you grew up with dogs, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, when you're discovering like dog poop around your house, like every single time you lift up a cushion, there's like, Oh my God, there's dog poop. You know, every single time you move a chair, that's what the pac 12 seems to be going through right now. Yeah. Right. Like everywhere they look, it's like, Oh, Larry Scott, another mess, another mess, another mess. And so it makes George's job harder. And you're seeing what's happening now at Washington state. I mean, I don't think you need much more justification. I mean, maybe you could say, well, you know, we haven't got the offer yet. That's still like, if, if we're in May, we're about to be in June. You know, we're about to go into that final season of the TV deal. And to me, it just, I don't know how much more justification you would need. And to me, it would make sense that a school like Colorado would be ready to leave. That would make sense to me. I'm not saying they're going to leave, but I think it just, if you think about it logically in the timeline, I mean, you're kind of on the same page. It's like, why, why, you know, I know they want to all stay together, but at what point do you say, you know what, we've had enough. We're, we're kind of ready for something else. Yeah, well, it's got to be exhausting. I mean, it's exhausting for us on the opposite side of it, right. uh, looking at the Pac-12 and being like, damn, like you guys are doing this every single week. And to your point about Trammell, like, I think the thing nationally Barry Trammell is most known for, and again, regionally, he's this legend that's been around for 30 years, covered the league through multiple iterations back to the Big 8. Like nationally, the thing he's known for most is like feuding with Russell Westbrook. And that was <laughs> like, right, right. So think about this. Like, is this guy going to carry water for anybody? Like Oklahoma City Thunder, like that is such a huge, massive draw in Oklahoma City. And Russell Westbrook was like the dude or at least the co-dude there. And Barry Trammell. And, and not, then became the dude once KD left. Yeah. And Barry Trammell was not afraid to like become an enemy of him and go back and forth with him. Like this guy is not interested in just carrying whatever narrative out it is. And he's not, you know. If you're going to say it's pro big 12, I don't know. Like Oklahoma is the main draw there. They're leaving for the sec. So it's not right. like he really, I don't know. Anyway, that, and he also made the point that he heard it like a week ago and just sat on it and decided to throw it out there in light of the Washington state story, I think is what he said was kind of the last straw where he's like, damn, I mean, look, Washington state's having to go into a hiring freeze. Like there, there are all sorts of problems here. And I think the other part about that is like one of the loudest voices or at least most prevalent voices we've seen from the PAC 12 has been Kirk Schultz, a guy that, I am familiar with. He was the president at K-State when I was in college and when I first started my career. Um, 
I do think he's a pretty sharp guy. And I think he's, he's in like the inner circle of PAC 12 leadership, but he is also the guy, as you can now see that most desperately needs this to work out. Like they desperately need this to work out. And so I just take his comments with a little bit of a grain of salt now because, and not that I didn't before, but I think this just accentuates it. Like they are in a very tight spot financially. And that's with them still being currently in the PAC 12 right now without the league ripping apart. So it's like them and Oregon state, but Washington state seems to be in more dire financial straits as of right now. So they really, really need it to work. And that's, yeah, another story I think to weave into all this from this week is like, everybody has an angle, everybody's working something. And even if you said like, for for Schultz it has to be like trying to calm down his fan base calm down the donors calm down people around there like he that is the thing that's going to be top of his mind is just calm everybody down as much as you can and so you're probably going to lean into more whatever little teeny morsel you can have that is somewhat positive here um I mean I I just don't know and and the the other thing that these guys keep doing that I don't get is time time stamping the just it's so moronic i I don't believe it it's been a disaster for them so far and we saw it again now it was at least like further out i guess this time where they're you know it was projecting out like more into the middle of the summer but i was still just like what how hard is it to get a you know there i think there's this thought that like brett yormark is just this like pr mastermind and they've used karen from endeavor and all this stuff but it's like i don't maybe the PAC 12 should hire somebody that could just tell them like, Hey, you guys just say, we, we will get it done when we get it done. We're confident it's going to get done and we'll all be together. That's all just in the sentence there. Like no more, no they more have time. Been terrible <laughs> publicly. It, it, yeah. It's, it started to me with the statement they made, right. With that, yeah. like that weird statement they put out. It didn't mention Klyavkov at all. And then they had the three presidents go out and start talking. We've had AD from Utah We've had, I, I think um, the president from Arizona went out again. He, I think he did something with, or AD from Arizona, I forget who it was. He was uh, with, uh, with um, I, forget, I forget who it was, but he, I saw a YouTube video of him. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, why? Like, what? It did, so when the presidents went out there, it didn't work out, right? I mean, like within a week of them going out and doing a little media tour, we had Stuart Mandel being like, well, they were overly optimistic. The deadline's been pushed back. Yeah. Stop telling people that you have any deadline at all. If it's told to you, do not say it because you keep looking foolish. And also it like, it hurts your negotiating position. The more they keep losing publicly, the less you have to, like you're getting crushed and killed at every turn. Stop, just stop. It, it's, it is crazy to me how bad they've butchered it. And once again, to your PR, you know, oh, they're winning the PR war, Brett, you're more genius. No, he's not even having to do any work. They yeah, they're just not it. screwing it up. Like the Yeah, they're club. Charlie Brown footballing this thing themselves. And it's like, it's hard for the Big 12 not to look better because, and think about this right now too, even the Big Ten's having some, you know, and I think the Big Ten's going to be fine because the money they're going to make is so ridiculous. Right. So they're all going to be fine. The ACC is not having, obviously, they're having their, their disagreements. And I think uh, this point's been made, but ironically, it is the Big 12 that looks the most united, looks the most forward-thinking, and looks, looks the most you know, ready to go into the future and whatnot. And that future, once again, still very unsure, but it's, you know, it's, it's like you're on a you're on a you know a street and there's a bunch of houses on fire and, and yours is yours is fine it looks like it's gonna be untouched and um i i that part of it too john has been the wildest part to me the deadlines it's like are you guys not learning because everyone you put out to the media guys has not been met the ones that you all keep saying have not been met just stop uh, who are you appeasing yeah like, 
and the fans can be upset they don't have a timeline, but in the end, like they're at the mercy of it too. They're still your fans. Well, the fan at this point, look, the fans are going to be upset. Like it, it's anyway, yes. long, and it just doesn't matter. Like they're going to be pissed. Like that's that's just the the end of it. No matter what you're going to do, but you make such a great point. I hadn't even thought about it. Like from the negotiating tactics of it, when you keep putting a timeline on it as you come up to that deadline, now these networks can be like, all right, well, you're going to take. 5% less, 10% less, because we know you need it tomorrow. We know you need it like ASAP or else someone's going to, you know. So the more they do that, it's hurting their negotiating position. And this is where I, I kind of, you know, I can understand on one hand why George Klyovkov's strategy would be like radio silence for the most part, uh, outside of a few like wild random tantrums, which have not served them well, saying that they were going to make as much as the SEC and Big Ten, which was very stupid. Uh, getting mad and saying that, hey, we're not sure if we're done shopping there yet. Like that sort of – like those are the only times he's spoken and then saying the UCLA is making a financial mistake by going to the Big Ten. The only time he opens his mouth are to say outlandish things, which leads me to believe that, that he has completely set the tone incorrectly from the start and overpromised and underdelivered. Like you can see – you can connect the dots here on how this has happened. I'm not – you know, we're kind of ripping on the Pac-12 presidents, but they're sort of being hung out to dry – because they're the only ones talking and they're getting directions from a guy who apparently <laughs> believes that they're going to make up this $30 million gap at some point in time with the SEC and the Big Ten, which is just asinine. Apparently believed that there was a chance that UCLA would be pulled back in by the regents or at least that they are making a legitimate financial mistake by going to the Big Ten, which also is pretty ludicrous. Um you can see if you just look at the few things he said, it's very easy to read into it and be like, I could see this guy behind closed doors being like, oh, sure, we're going to get 40 million a year per school and everybody being like, all right, great. That sounds great. And then they have rosy public comments and then that doesn't happen and you got to go do it all over again. So I think his his strategy, if executed properly, is is fine. Like that's a fine tactic to choose, but he hasn't he hasn't stuck to it. And then he's just leaving his lieutenants just hanging out there to make mistakes and get crushed. I've also mentioned this, too. And I, I feel like this goes across like like a lot of different you know parts of business and life, whatever. You have an announcement to make. Don't make an announcement that you're gonna have an announce. You know you're gonna have an announcement. You yeah. just make the announcement. And and this is the this is the thing about the pact. It's like it's coming. We're telling you we're together and it's coming. It's like just do it then. I know you don't because you're telling me that you do. And it's gonna and it's gonna be here. If it were if it were arriving, if it were gonna be you know coming soon, you would have this. Um, Last thing I want to hit on with you is, so we, you mentioned the Dennis Gates extension. I think it's a good point because I think there was some rumblings. Maybe Texas was, I didn't think Texas was going to get him, was going to go get him. But um, like with extensions, I think one mistake that schools make is they bet, uh, they're, they are, you know, uh, they're going, they're, they're wagering against somebody who's like not there, right? Like did Tennessee have to pay Josh Heupel as much money as they did? No. Who are they betting against? Who was the other person with the paddle, you know, with at the auction putting it up? There was nobody there. Um, the Chris Kleiman extension, to me, it's a little bit different with him because he is he is a program builder, right? And so that and to me, I, when I look at Kansas State, I'm thinking, okay, um, this is a program that I think the goal is to hover around eight, nine wins, and then the big years, you push it ten, you push it eleven, you push it maybe even if you get lucky, twelve. And that's, I think, I, I mean, I think largely you could say that's what they did under Bill Snyder, right? Like, I think it's a pretty fair, you know, just with the way that they, you know, kept churning out, you know, the way that they developed guys. So it makes, it makes sense. Um, talk about the extension. I actually didn't see the specific numbers. 
how much is it worth? And then also too, with that, you know, did you think it was an overpay? I mean, there's always gonna be somewhat of an overpay, but do you think it was the right kind of extension for K-State at this time and also for Chris Kleiman? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely do. And it, it's like an average of five and a half million a year. I was double checking that specific number. It was over five. Yeah, five and a half million. Right. Uh, so basically like a mil and a half uh, raise for him. It's it's well-deserved. I think it's absolutely the right thing to do. And I think it's 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 a pretty perfect marriage right now. I mean, he, I was out at a, the Catbacker Tour is this thing they go on in the summer where they take coaches and, you know, every school has some version of it. They caravan them around the state. Um, I was at one here in Kansas City where he said – trying to remember his exact wording of it, but said, Hey, for the foreseeable future, I'm here. I'm going to be a cat. And then I saw him right. the next night. I think they were in Topeka. And I think in Topeka, he said, I'm, I will end my career here. Um, so, I mean, he's publicly saying all those things. It's about a lot of stuff. He, he is not a guy that likes to, ironically, I'm talking about him doing these like public appearances. He's not a guy that likes to spend his time doing much of that. At K-State, he doesn't have to, they're not going to make him do that. You know, he got pretty heavy interest from Nebraska and, and really rebuffed them when I think they were going through, like, got turned down by Rule, came back to some other candidates. Kleiman was in that. He said no. Then they go back to Rule, make a bigger offer. They get Rule. Um, it sounds like that's basically how it worked out. Well, part of the, it's like if you go to Nebraska, you're, you're definitely going to have to be doing a lot more of that and become more of a public figure. He can kind of just be in the shadows and let even some of his more charismatic assistants, like, take care of a lot of that stuff. He's got a super charismatic basketball coach who's killing it right now that people want to hear from, and he can just sort of go about his – his business and do his job and work by the way with one of his best friends, who's Gene Taylor, the athletic director who hired him. So right. it's just, and then obviously culturally K-State just kind of fits uh, with what he wants to do. So it's, it's a very perfect marriage. He definitely has earned the contract. And the one, the one concern there, I think you always have it. Like he's, he's from Iowa. And I think it's apropos that like they give him this extension within the last couple of weeks. And then today, I think it was today, right. We saw that Gary Barta is stepping out at Iowa. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, it sounds like Iowa has a candidate that's likely going to get the job. I don't like worry about Gene Taylor taking that job. But what I wonder about is like, okay, so Kirk Ferentz, I don't know. That seems, I get like end of Bill Snyder career vibes with Kirk Ferentz right now at Iowa. So like, does a new athletic director come in and figure something out? Are they going to get him out the door? And then that would be like the one job I think K-State fans wonder about is like if Iowa. Iowa. Would, and that's the one that would have the money to do it too. Yeah, right? They're, they're right. That, what we talked about earlier, yeah. they would have big 10 money. It's pretty similar culturally. Uh, it's a place where he's from. So you can you can definitely understand the concern. Um, I still really wonder, uh, you know, I'm, he's making these sorts of comments. Clearly he feels very content with where he's at. I still do wonder um, if he would actually take it if offered, but it's something to to at least have on your radar. And if he were being paid under market value, that's, that's definitely not something that you want. You want to at least be showing him like, hey, we, we may not be able to match what Iowa could pay you in total, but – we're at least giving you fair market value here, paying you like a top 25 coach in college football, which he, uh, he definitely is and really has things rolling right now. So yeah, it was just, it was just a matter of time before that came. I know he right. wanted to make sure he got his assistants paid too, uh, which they had to do. It's like I got offered the Notre Dame offensive coordinator job this off season and stayed. So they needed to take care of a lot of that too, but yeah, everything's just in a great, great position with the, I, I could not feel better about the, the long-term prognosis of the football program right now. All right, John, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, so YouTube, just my name, John Kurtz. Um, do two live shows a week and, and put in some content throughout the week there as well. Um, and then if you are a K-State fan, you want to get K-State content, I do the 3 Ma podcast, like e with a 3, 3 M-A-W. Wherever it is that you get your podcasts, um, it's through KC Sports Network, but Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever it is that you find podcasts, you can get it there. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter, uh, just at J-L-Kurtz, J-L-K-U-R-T-Z. 
All right, John, appreciate your time. And I'll sure we, I'm sure we, uh, we'll be connecting here pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely.